Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello to the IIA Florida West Coast, aka the IIA Super Bowl hosting and Super Bowl champion Tampa chapter. Um, if this is your first episode, then welcome. If you are a regular subscriber and you're not in the IA Tampa chapter and you have no idea what's going on because we never release an episode um, on a Thursday, then let me explain. I'm doing an eight hour training on data analytics to the IA Florida West Coast chapter. And rather than have them stare at their computer screen and having to listen to me talk for another four hours or a total, you know, a full eight hours, I like to take the analytics content that we have from the show from some of the other analytics experts, combine it together, and then use that as a way for the people attending the training to do whatever you do that when you listen to a podcast. So instead of being in front of your screen, um, you know, play it over your, your smart speaker or put your headphones in and go do whatever, do the dishes, pick up, um, make lunch, whatever it is that you want, have a drink, I don't care. Um, do it, whatever it is that you typically do when you listen to a podcast, just so you can kind of get up and um, not have to be in front of the screen. So um, we have two folks from previous episodes that, that I wanted to kind of introduce and I'll do a little intro in between uh, the first and the second one. So you, you're not just kind of lost in the, and uh, what's going on. So the first guest that we have is Eric Score. He's the audit manager at Holman Enterprises. And on that episode, we talk about descriptive analytics and diagnostic analytics, as well as some RPA. And so in the training, we kind of hit on descriptive and diagnostic and, and go into a little bit more detail with Eric there. So I think there's there's a lot of good stuff there from Eric. And secondly, we have Mark Hafitz, who is the director of data analytics at Emory University. And basically it's just a lot of use cases for internal audit. Um, when we had Mark on, I basically said, hey, I, like, I just want to hear your use cases also. Um, these are mostly higher education related, obviously being at Emory, but it should still kind of get the wheels spinning in terms of, oh, we could do that or we could do that, but maybe switch it up a little bit and, and do it for our industry um, specifically. That is it. I hope if you are a regular listener that um, you stick around. Certainly, it's if it's content you've already heard, go ahead and 
<laughs> go ahead and move on if you want to. Um, if you're with the Florida West Coast IEA chapter, then I hope you enjoy. And I guess I will talk to you in about an hour. Enjoy. We talked a little bit about like what you were doing, but with analytics, are there are there specific use cases within analytics that you could speak to? Well, I think we use analytics a lot from a still in the descriptive and diagnostic phases, but there's so much value, I think, that comes from those two phases. Uh, and it's pretty fantastic what value we can bring through just using those. Uh, let's just take, I mean, I do a lot of descriptive. So I, I try to encourage auditors just take, take a step back and understand the business because a lot of time, go can, ahead. Can you, can you define what, so most of the folks that listen probably aren't necessarily in the analytics space. What, what descriptive yeah. analytics, what that actually means? Yeah. So descriptive analytics is really just, you know, what, what's happened or I, I like to look at it as more of what's, what's going on, just learning about something, right? Whatever you want to look at. And there's different, I use it a lot in terms of entities. Like there are a lot of different entities to audit. So get to know your entity, right? So how much money do they uh, earn in revenue? How much profit do they have? How many assets, how many employees, all of these types of things is, are really helpful to the auditor because at the end of the day, if you don't know what's going on in the business, you can't translate the data that you find in, in analytics. Right. Okay. And so what were some of the use cases you were getting at? Well, we use it to, to plan the audits a lot of times. So at an entity level, we'll use it a lot of times, right. To plan out risk because we only have a small number of resources, right. So you need to go and understand the risks and, and things just keep changing. I think the, the pace of change is just amazing nowadays. So an entity could be doing really well at one point in time, but then the next time you go around to look at it on your, maybe your standard audit, audit plan, it's entirely different. Mm -hmm. It has a different set of outcomes. Um, we talked to, I think you, a recent guest you had on talked about agile auditing. Uh -huh. I mean, that's exactly it. So it's staying up on, on top of that. So looking at key performance indicators that really gets down to the diagnostic part of things. So maybe you compare one entity to another entity and you say, okay, these entities are the same size, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe they really do about the same thing, right? Their same business purpose overall, but one is making money and one is not making money. Right. So then, <laughs> Why, why is that the case? So then yeah. you can start to diagnose, right? And you start kind of drilling down, you look at the different segments of the business and you say, why is, what, what is, what is causing the loss in the one that's losing money? And then you just keep drilling down. And then we, so that we also use a lot in regards to process level analysis, you know, what, where, how many, how many, purchase orders are they are are these is this business processing why are they processing so many Can, I, I like to break it down on a daily basis right and i like to say 
how many is one person processing in one day? And you kind of look at yourself and say, does that make sense? Like, can someone even do that? That's, yeah. that's yeah, 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 exactly. that, that is a lot of purchase orders to, to handle. So maybe there's yeah. an operational opportunity there. Yeah. The, the example that I that I look at often and tell people about is with credit card or P card purchases and that approval process. Yeah. You get that level of data that shows who's approving and when, then you can aggregate it and you can say, all right, there's no way Jan in accounting is approving 150 transactions, you know, a day or every two days or whatever. Clearly the review is not happening at a level of precision and sensitivity that it should be happening at. Um, Or maybe you could even argue that maybe that level doesn't need to be applied. That much scrutiny doesn't need to be applied to it. But um, that's interesting that you said that because that's, that's an example that, that I come back to a lot. And so, um, and I think your example is a really good one. There's a lot of <clears throat> initial thought about it, it's the evolution, like I say, the, the maturity of the of the risk management process. I think audit can really help out on because maybe at first there's no control that there was no review over that purchase that that P card purchases, right? So then someone started reviewing it, but no one really explained to that person what they're supposed to do in their review and how to do it. So they just kind of do their best and, and then the transactions start building up. And so it becomes overwhelming and they just, they just keep hitting the button and they're really not, it's really not doing any good. Right. Yeah. And, and then something breaks again, like someone takes advantage of the system and it doesn't get caught. So then you have to refine it and then you, that's, and then you build a better control. Right. So it's, we're, we're out there trying to identify that as soon as possible, maybe even trying to proactively, right, get the control to change, make it more automated instead of manual to make it more efficient and effective. Yeah. And let's face it, when it comes to that control, uh, Eric, you're my manager, you approve mine, you go, I've been working with Trent for 10 years, approve, 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 approve. you know, like I yeah, trust right. you, you know, so um, that's, a, I guess, a little bit of my soapbox on the <laughs> approval yeah, process. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. So that was, we were talking descriptive, right? And then you said there's another type that you like to use. What was that one? And what are some, uh, kind of a, just the diagnostic diagnostic. analytics and you know, that's really about why, why is something, something happening, right? So what's causing, I, I think I talked a little bit about before looking when you're looking at key performance indicators and comparing one, one entity or one process, any, anything you're comparing one thing to another thing, then you start getting into the diagnostic. It, I mean, they go really hand in hand, right? Because uh, you're in the descriptive analytics, you're really understanding what you're looking at. And in the diagnostic, you're finding a problem, but then you're going back to understanding why the problem. So then you're learning more about the problem uh, To And the whole goal of this is, not to do the analytics, right? Like the whole goal is to under, better understand the risk and better mitigate, help the business to mitigate the risk, see if it's covered with a control. Uh, because a lot of times what I'm finding is business, the, the business process owners don't really, you know, they, everyone thinks they, I, I, they know about the risk and I, you know, everyone does have a sense for risk. I, uh, but internal auditors really get good at understanding risk. And, and I mean, that's where our real value lies is that intersection between risk process and control. Mm-hmm. And we can't take that for granted because uh, a lot of times when people are responding to risk, they're like, let's use your P card example. 
they look at, okay, well, what can the system do, right? Oh, well, let's, let's take this and let's do that. Okay, they could do that. Oh, cool, let's do that. You know, let's try that out, right? It, there's not a real detailed analysis a lot of times of here are the specific risks and, and ranking them, for instance, of here are the most important risks, so let's do this in, uh, in relationship to that risk. And, and it's more reactive then as well. So we come in and we can help diagnose those issues and then help to fix them and change it accordingly. So you, you said this and started to go down it and I wanted to see if you wanted to elaborate on it, but <clears throat> you said the goal isn't just to do analytics, um, which I think some people might be getting caught up in now because mainly because of the marketing that says you have to do analytics, you know? Um, and so people say, all right, we have to do analytics. We, we need to do analytics. And it's almost become in that sense, a check the box kind of situation. Um, so if the goal isn't, just to do analytics, then what is the goal with analytics? From an internal audit perspective, I think the goal for analytics is to always help the business improve, right? So that really means under, better understanding the risks that exist out there and then helping to specifically identify and suggest your changes, right? Maybe that's control implementation. Maybe it's just a process change but really helping the business respond to that risk so it doesn't come to fruition. All right. So we've talked the two types that you use. <clears throat> I would imagine though that you don't go in saying I'm going to do a descriptive analysis, right? Like it just kind of happens. Is that? Yeah. I mean, I encourage auditors to think, right? So I think it's, it's, we, we, we look, what are we going to do? And we, we're looking at what the risks are, right? So we start with the risks. Uh, I try to encourage my team to start with the risks and then identify the analytic that's going to help you understand that risk yeah. as opposed to vice versa. Some, I, I will admit sometimes it's, they do work hand in hand. I think some, sometimes you need to just do analytics to help identify what you what you what risks you're trying to look at i mm -hmm. think it, it depends on how mature the risk environment and risk management system is out there so some some are really well defined but some are not defined at all and i think when it's really not defined sometimes you use the analytics purely just to understand the risk but the more you drill into it uh you i think you start you it's more about finding, finding the niche, right? Finding what is leading to this problem. You know, let's take, for example, what I try to do a lot of times is, you know, compare maybe uh, the, the general ledger information against uh, subsidiary type ledger information and in different systems, right? There are oftentimes a lot of different computer systems being used out there. And if you can compare the two, a, a lot of times you can really start to see where things went awry, right? So something in a shipping system need, should be posted in the general ledger. Well, and if you compare the two together, you're finding that some don't make it into the general ledger. So then you, then you start seeing why is that the case? And so then you can start getting into as well, uh, the shipping system a little bit further. You can understand the process a little bit better, ask the right questions to the different people. Uh, because a lot of people 
don't look at both, right? So there's a lot of people dealing with the general ledger. There's a lot of people just dealing with the shipping record, for instance, but they're not dealing with both. But internal audit has that really unique perspective because we see both and we understand both. And so we can connect the dots. And the great thing as well about analytics nowadays is that uh, we can start grabbing 100% of the population to start identifying uh, issues and better providing that assurance. It's not a random, like historically doing this, you know, when I first started, it's do your random sample uh, and get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> if you find an issue, you get lucky and you're like, oh, we found an issue. But, right. uh, <laughs> but nowadays it's, uh, you're really trying to, the better you can find that risk, you can better target that risk and pull the analytics, pull the data specifically related to that risk. So in that example I'm giving with the, with shipping, right? You, if you can see that certain uh, uh, shipments aren't making it into the general ledger, you can pull that whole time period of shipments and compare that whole time period against the general ledger. And you can specifically say this one, this one, and this one didn't make it into the general ledger. And you can ask yourself, and I do this with my team all the time, why didn't this one, this one, and this one right. make it in there? So let's, is there a different process that only applies to this one? Is it a different person? Maybe there's one person out there that didn't get the training that they're supposed to get the training. So you're really getting to that root cause. And then once you get to that root cause, you can really suggest a really valuable thing to the business. Yeah. And that's, Part of the beauty of analytics is, and what I've seen is like, if I'll go to do a walkthrough and the business side says, this is how the process works. <clears throat> I'll say, all right, and get the data and you more or less go and confirm it in the data through some testing of the controls or testing the data. And then inevitably there is a percentage that pops out that did not meet, you know, didn't follow the process of what the business said. And you go back and you're like, all right, these 15 out of a thousand didn't. And they're like, oh yeah, that's because Mark owns those uh, 13 yeah. and he does it this way. And those other two are owned by Denise and she does it like this. And that's why those don't really make sense. And it's like, if we didn't look at it in the data and see all that, then that never would have been identified. Um, the So you're giving a, a, a reconciliation example. And yeah. I think that's one that, because there's so much you can do with analytics. It's like, uh, cool, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, the, maybe the recon gets left out sometimes. Yep. And I know I've done one where I did a reconciliation between two systems um, and found some transactions the same way. They didn't make it over. And what actually was happening is in, in the one system, they were making manual adjustments that weren't making it through to the other and they were just yep. getting missed in the process. And so bringing back like analytics to a control gap example, that was one of them where they said, we didn't even know that these existed. Like management said, we didn't even know you yeah. could do this there more or less. Um, so the result of that was they put a control in place to identify those manual adjustments on a routine basis and then management could go in and approve them. Um, so that's yeah, another that thing that you can, you can do just even with a something as standard or as typical as a reconciliation, because I think that's something that we all as audit, especially like CPAs and folks with accounting backgrounds understand a reconciliation. Yeah, and I think thinking is an important part of the puzzle as well for analytics. If you, again, if you just 
put some data into this software and it spits out data, you're not going to know what to do with it. Right. So it's really thinking ahead about what's your goal or it's maybe you don't exactly know. I think that's okay sometimes and just do an analysis, but, but then you need to sit down and kind of ask yourself, what, what, what do I see? You know, does this make sense? Be taking the shipping example again, for instance, I've done, if you look at, maybe you break down shipping for on a daily basis for a long period of time and you start seeing trends that are, okay, for some reason at the end, the last day of every month, the ship number of ship, shipments really increases, right? So then you're like, well, why is that the case? So then you can start asking those questions and obviously from a revenue recognition standpoint, uh, I think it's important to understand that because maybe, you know, I think operationally a lot of times people are oftentimes trying to just push it in at the end of the month to, so they can get their revenue, right? But that yeah. might also lead to the fact that maybe you need to focus more of your testing at the, at the, on that last day of the month and, or maybe they need a control over that last day of month specifically if they don't already have one. Internal audit is such a, an amazing place an amazing opportunity to learn about the business and many internal audit departments that I've seen are great stepping stones for people within a business, mm-hmm. right? Uh, future leaders, future financial leaders, a lot of times come from internal audit. Uh, maybe not even and a lot of, even those financial leaders just become just more operational leaders at the same time. Right? So, I think if you you can ask what are your career goals early on, you can work with that individual uh, to better achieve them. And I think what happens is you can better motivate people, okay, to do what needs to be done, right? So we just spent a while talking about you need to understand the operations, right? Well, if you wanna grow in your career and into operations, the, the first place to start is start learning about the operations, right? Like, uh, and again, no better place to start than internal audit. And what you can do is uh, uh, align people, I think, with different areas that they're interested in. Uh, we're talking a lot here about analytics. So you can also find maybe people have, for instance, a specific desire to do analytics, right? So maybe you can help build that out and give them, start giving them projects and giving them training, giving them a, a, a outside so training support, like going back to school, you know, those types of things can really be helpful. And you're part, you're in, in essence, you're partnering, partnering with your employees to work together to, uh, to accomplish a goal. Yeah. That's the thing that kind of sticks out to me from what you said is, like you have access and also maybe opportunities, actually opportunity is a better word. We have the opportunity within audit to do so much. And so the analytics is what popped out to me is like, if there's nobody on the team that does analytics, but somebody's interested in it, I mean, who's going to, you know, what management leader is going to say, you know what, I don't want you to learn that. You know, they're going to be supportive and give that, you know, their staff the tools and the resources they need to learn it. Yeah. Um, and then if that's something that they end up being a passion about and they want to do it, you know, uh, analytics with the marketing team and, and leave audit or something, they have that skill set or even thinking about cybersecurity and how hot of an area it is right now. 
if an audit leader if a, you know, hears from a staff, hey, I really want to be, you know, I want, I'm interested in cybersecurity and I want to make that like a core competency of mine, they're not going to say, eh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. Well, and I think it, it just, it's, it's important it's, and it's vital, I would say, because we talked about this rapid change that happens. There's also this specialization. It, everything is very complex. So we need people, we need a diverse team, right? Like we can't, we're not in the days any longer that there's one person maybe at the top that knows everything. That's just not possible. It's not realistic. I think you need a team, a, a diverse team that focuses in different areas and then works together to, you know, uh, partner up within the internal audit department to you know, tackle specific projects, specific risks that you're, that you're looking at throughout the organization because one person just can't handle it all anymore. Yeah. So we've talked a lot of analytics. Is there any other topic that you want to, with the floor being yours, get off your chest or speak to or preach on or any anything to that effect? Well, you brought up RPA, I think, uh, before. I think that was a, that's a really interesting interesting evolution recently uh robotics process automation <laughs> yeah so that let's uh again kind of like with descriptive for the, the the folks that don't know what is rpa and uh not only the acronym but kind of what is it theoretically yeah so theoretically you're essentially taking a process and automating it right and it's pretty simple i guess <laughs> <laughs> when it, when you break it down and, uh, and, and, but it's really powerful, right? Simple, but powerful, right? I mean, this, in essence, what businesses are doing is you, there's software now that you can uh, leverage where you can tell the software how to go about doing the process that you've developed over years, probably. Yeah. And the system can do it by itself and a lot faster, right? And it's, I see it popping up uh, at different businesses and I keep talking about it when I uh, meet peers and audit peers uh, in conferences or meetings, whatever. I, I think it keeps coming up because it's going to definitely revolutionize things across the board. I see a lot of accounting processes that were mundane, I guess, being transformed into RPA. And it's really going to be helpful, I think, in terms of giving people that more, you know, allow people to enjoy their jobs more and focus more on, I think, the more important things that are out there, right? I, I don't, there's not a lot of people out there that just like to sit and do the same thing every single day, right? But it needs to be done. Unless you're a robot. Yeah, again, a robot likes that. <laughs> we, we program them to like that. So I think it's uh, gonna be really helpful uh, from an accounting standpoint because accounting even more, uh, it's, it's like the evolution from going paper uh, accounting to computer accounting, right? Like now there's, now there's more thinking involved. Now there's more uh, value that uh, an accountant can add, right? And then from a from an audit standpoint, I think it's 
important because I think it's another opportunity for us to partner with uh, IT professionals as well. Uh, I mean, there's such an overlap. Uh, I have dealt a lot in the financial operational uh, audit world, um, you know, but there's, it's, there's such an opportunity to, for IT auditors to kind of work together with financial and operational auditors uh, to tackle this RPA because, you know, from an IT perspective, uh, you need to make sure that we're, we're putting processes out there, right? You're putting processes from the company typically into a third party software. We need to make sure it's secure. We need to make sure that it's being maintained uh, because things break yep. often. There's a lot of different aspects to it. So if, let's say you're taking um, something from a website, uh, maybe the website changes and you didn't, you didn't, the software can't react to that. It might break. And if everyone, if no one's checking it, it might break and no one knows about it. So you need to, you need to make sure it's being monitored, you know, setting up different controls. So that's from an IT standpoint, but from, from a financial standpoint, you're taking pre-existing processes and putting them into the computer, but you need to make sure all of those different processes get into there. It's because oftentimes maybe I, I've seen individuals, you know, hand, maybe just hand it over to IT and then IT does it, but IT doesn't really understand the, the financial part of it. So they might uh, not, it might get lost in the communication, right? Because uh, maybe a process isn't documented uh, and they miss a step, for instance. So uh, the good thing, maybe it'll break when you try to run the RPA process. Uh, but if it doesn't break, maybe it, maybe no one's going to even notice. But there's still a key process that should have been included, like a key field that needs to be filled out that, that we use as a control that no one really identifies. So uh, having inter-audit kind of review, reviewing the designs of, of those, I think will add a lot of value as well. Say, all right, Eric, well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is, this is great. I really appreciate having more discussions about inter-audit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. All right, so that was Eric's episode, at least relative to the analytics discussion and the RPA discussion. Um, I know that we also talked a little bit about management and how to, to train up staff, which really doesn't didn't have a ton to do with analytics, but I just liked the answer so much, I decided to leave it in there. Next, we have Mark Hafitz. He was the, the number two episode and was kind of one of the guinea pigs. So a lot of appreciation for Mark for coming on when there really wasn't even a show yet. So, all right, here's Mark. Mark, if you could just kind of give us a background in analytics and really kind of the importance of analytics and uh, kind of a high level understanding of what it means to, to be using analytics in audit. Sure. 
So I think the really the first question you know one needs to ask is why use data analytics, and some of the reasons why we should use data analytics are it supports the risk assessment, uh, it enhances ability to identify emerging or apparent risks, uh, it also enhances the ability to communicate issues to management. Uh, it's also a great source of valuable information. And it also helps with being able to monitor the operating effectiveness of internal controls. And another important thing is that it allows internal audit, the internal audit staff to work smarter, not harder. It's also and, really cool. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the first place you really need to start is defining what, what is data analytics? Because I think, depending upon who you talk to, everybody may have a different definition. So I'll just give you, you know, my definition. Sure. Um, so basically, data analytics is a process of inspecting, cleaning, transforming, and modeling data with the goal of discovering useful information, suggesting conclusions, and supporting decision-making. Uh, some of the data analytics techniques include data mining, cleansing and blending, uh, continuous controls monitoring and auditing, uh, business intelligence, and then predictive analytics. Uh, I guess I want to talk a little about, you know, when you're using data analytics, uh, it really does support the risk assessment. Mm -hmm. um, it can enhance the ability to identify emerging or apparent risks, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and it also, uh, allows for the ability to monitor control effectiveness, uh, identify exception transactions, and it's a source for business intelligence and can add to value enhancement. And so, you know, we, we get to a point where you know, we're talking about, let's say, CCM, and, um, you know, given the current economic climate in, in our COVID-19 pandemic right now. Uh, I guess I want to get a, a show of hands for the audience of, you know, who's got a budget to actually purchase a continuous controls monitoring system versus building one. Right. Yeah. So as I see out there, all, all you fans, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty limited budget right now. Yeah. So in our situation, and I'm going back now eight years before any pandemics were around and our budgets were still small. You know, and so we really couldn't afford to purchase a CCM solution. We decided to go ahead and build our own. And so we, we did save a lot of, and I'll talk a little bit later about, again, some of the benefits uh, to doing that. So, um, you know, in talking about uh, some of the quick wins, uh, we look at things like uh, in accounts payable, we can easily identify, let's say, uh, when we have duplicate um, vendors in the master file. Uh, for example, you know, you have, let's say, you know, IBM or I.B.M. or international business machines, you know, things like that. It's really the same vendor, but you have it in there multiple times. Right. Data analysts can easily identify those. Uh, one of the things also that you can use it for, let's say, from the human resources side is um, doing new hire background checks to make sure they were actually completed. So that way, let's say, um, 
you know, if you're, if you have a new hire, you want to make sure that human resources actually completed that background check. So you can compare um, who are your new hires to the results of background checks to make sure that actually happened. Uh, also, we can look for uh, rehired employees where let's say if an employee had been previously terminated for cause, meaning maybe a policy violation or misconduct, uh, data analytics gives us the ability to basically look back to see what was the reason for their previous termination. And sometimes what, what happens is that the um, talent acquisition group or the recruiters, um, you know, they're supposed to really uh, check to make sure that there wasn't any kind of issues with an, an employee in their previous employment. But sometimes those things do kind of sneak through. And with analytics, it'll catch that uh, pretty quickly. Uh, also, you can use analytics for doing uh, bank reconciliations uh, and make sure that those have the proper approvals. And also um, for doing uh, some really um, IT access control where you're looking for terminated employees that still have access. Uh, when we did some initial testing on that, we found uh, some IDs that had access to some of our systems where the employees were actually deceased. So that can happen. <laughs> yeah, I know that the term test, that's actually the first analytics test that I ever really did in audit and used to do it across all kinds of different systems. Um, and that was kind of the, when I learned how to do that and I just, you know, did it in Excel, but you know, this would be lookup or something. Um, and when I did that and I looked at it and said, we just tested every single one of these and it took, you know, five minutes or we could have taken a sample and it would have taken forever and how much more coverage we got from it. So whenever somebody brings up the term test one, that one always, uh, Kind of resonates just because it's the the one that I did, you know, the first one that I ever did. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the low hanging fruit. Yeah, you know, and again, you talk about you know a sample. Well, how often do you do you actually find something when you're taking a sample? Right. You know, exception. So when you can cover 100% of the transactions, you know, you're not going to miss anything. Right. Pretty much a no brainer. Um, yeah. So some of the other areas uh, for the quick wins. Uh, let's say we look at payment integrity, where again, looking at duplicate, for duplicate payments. Uh, also, let's say in the uh, travel and expense area, um, we have certain policies related to when can an employee use a per diem, um, you know, for for traveling. And typically, we we the policy states right now that you can't use a per diem for a domestic trip. So you can use it for international, but not for domestic. And, you know, when we first ran, ran our analysis, we, we saw there were a number of employees who actually had done that. And then what you can do is then compare that to see, well, did they actually uh, go to a conference where the conference uh, actually had meals for them? And so, you know, you're catching people who are basically double dipping on that. Right. Um, another area that we look at is, for fictitious vendors, where a vendor gets set up uh, and then um, they get paid and all of a sudden they, they become deactivated. So we're looking for change and change back, that kind of thing. Uh, okay, so you look at how long after they were set up that they were removed? Yeah, if, if there were payments made, yeah. 
then we, we noticed that there was, let's say it all happened within the same day that would set off a flag for us. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't heard that one before. I'm definitely yeah. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, another area, uh, again, getting back to, let's say in human resources, um, conflicts of interest where um, you have employees that have been set up in your vendor master as, uh, as a supplier, um, or maybe there's been P card charges uh, that uh, are for that um, employee as well. So this way, what we're doing basically is we're just checking to, to see, you know, are there any employees that are showing up in the vendor master or were there any P card charges against them? We can compare, you know, their name, their address, and uh, also their, their, their bank accounts. Yeah. So that yeah, that, we, bank, that bank account one's kind of a dead giveaway when you when you see yeah. a match on the bank <laughs> account address. Yeah. Depending on how you do it, you get you can get some false positives. Um, phone number I've seen a little bit of results, but yeah, you get that uh, those matching bank account numbers. There's there's not a whole lot of questions and <laughs> digging that you have to do after you get that one. Right, pretty pretty straightforward on that. Um, another one that we we like to run is. Um, looking for employees that let's say are enrolled for let's say medical benefits but they're not getting a payroll deduction so uh, we found out that the benefits group had a third party that would run this kind of a test but they only ran it annually and so uh really it needs to be run every time payroll runs yeah because that's when the deduction occurs now we did run into some issues where there can be some timing uh, problems involved where, let's say uh, an employee had gone out on FMLA and uh, then their uh, vacation time runs out. And so now they're no longer getting that deduction. And so then they're basically paying it back you know, out, of, out of their pocket. Yeah. And so sometimes it takes a, a little bit of time you know, for all that processing to occur where uh, we can identify, okay, yeah, here's the, the employee that now has to pay back you know, that amount. And, um, you know, when did that payment actually occur? Uh, and usually, though, the, the, the folks in benefits kind of know who those people are. So when they get the report, they can kind of just cross them off the list pretty quickly. Yeah. But that's been a, a very viable one to us as well. Uh, we run that both for um, our university and for healthcare. Um, and then in the, in the payroll area, we look for uh, issues of, we have a supplemental payroll system where you know employees can get paid, uh, can have a payment made that is outside of their say normal salary, whether it's for um, uh, extra duty, you know things like that, or um, maybe it was uh, for a stipend, something you know something that again that's not part of the normal pay, and so we we um, can look for duplicates in that where. A lot of times what will happen is maybe it's the admin assistant that's entering the um, payment and they enter one and then four days later they forgot if they entered it or not and so they enter it again. And there's, there is actually an approval workflow process involved with that, but typically what we're finding is a lot of the approvers think, oh, it's a new one because it's on a different day right. and they just get and approve it. <laughs> So then we can catch that before the payment actually occurs. Um, also, we look for um, t 
time and attendance issues where we have a clocking system where we, we look to see if um, an employee is clocking for two or more jobs at the same time. So in our, at our university, and we, we actually allow employees to have multiple concurrent jobs. So especially with students where they could have two or three or four jobs. And so we're making sure that, uh, and also we can catch this if they're sitting in their classroom and they're clocking from their classroom. Oh, nice. <laughs> or, or they're sitting in their dorm. So basically when they're clocking is they're, they're basically you know, clocking using their phone. So we can see what the phone number is and we can pretty much tell, you know, where it's coming from. Yeah. And so um, we tend to catch that. I mean, luckily it doesn't happen too often. Um, and in some cases there's some legitimate reasons for it where maybe they're, they're clocking from their dorm and it turns out that, um, you know, maybe they're working for a faculty who said it's fine, you can work from your dorm, but obviously we, we wouldn't know that. So yeah. we have to have some interviews to understand exactly what's going on with that. Um, but that's always, you know, kind of a fun one, especially, you know, we're identifying those students that are in class or are clocking. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.